Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey guys, certification roundup time. Um, You know, I'm always preaching, go a little deeper in your practice and take some certifications. So I wanted to let you know, this year we have added so many more. But like usual, we have our teacher training, which is a great certification if you want to deepen your practice or you're looking to teach. We have Reiki certification at all levels. Our sound certification has been added. So if you want to learn how to play the bowls, that's for you. Akashic Records, both basic and advanced. And intuitive healing, which is always one of our more popular ones that we run a few times a year. Crystal certification being added and a tarot reading certification. So please, if you're interested, go to denmeditation.com, go to certifications, check out the schedule, or you can email denteachertraining at denmeditation.com and we can answer any questions you have as well. But here's some good news. If you don't live in LA or you don't have the time to like come in at our schedule, a few of these are already on our denanywhere.com site and you can do them at your own leisure. So go to denanywhere.com, check out what we have there and we're always adding as well. So I hope you join us this year and get certified. Hey guys, welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal. I am your host and the founder of Den Meditation. Um, I get to talk to Mike Bender today, which is a total blast from the past for me. He and I used to work together in the entertainment industry. He was a screenwriter, wrote movies and a couple TV shows that we developed together as well. Um, he decided one day as kind of, he had this random luck and success as he discovered the idea of what an awkward family photo could do. He veered his career completely and he'll tell you the story here. And I loved kind of digging into the idea of letting go of fear, kind of pursuing a new area of your life and watching it unfold. Now through that journey and also through a battle he has had with, it was unknown for a long time, either an autoimmune or a chronic disease that he'd been fighting for like the last 13 years had really shifted his perspective on life. And so it's been this beautiful journey of not only changing what he does for a living, but also just how he sees the world, how he acts, how he takes moments in the pause, how he actually has learned to kind of stop and receive and take a beat. And what does that mean? And not always go, go, go. How he's really brought mindfulness into his every single day and how he teaches his kids that now too. And like um, I said earlier, he's an author of four children's books that he's now bringing those concepts to because he feels like the idea of being able to teach these concepts to kids is just exactly what he wants to be doing. It's a really beautiful conversation. It is super relatable. And I feel like anyone who's looking for either shifts or changes, or honestly, if you're battling any chronic illness or Lyme disease, I think this is actually a really good episode for you too because we kind of dive into the challenges and he's been talking about this new thing he's been doing that he's really excited about that could be great for someone who's going through this. So I hope you like this episode. Let us know. Go to our Facebook page and check in and let us know. (music) 
let's roll into this. All right, let's roll. I'm excited because I we're gonna yeah we're talking about break-ins, which is not great for this podcast. <laughs> Where is it? We're both still here to talk about it. We're both happy, so clearly we're not super rattled. So maybe it's a great thing to talk about. In this big scheme of things, it's, it's nothing. It's a blip. Um, I'm talking to Mike Bender, which is such a pleasure for me because he and I work together in our both of our old lives because yeah. he has switched as well. Um, and we had a lot of fun. We worked on a few things together. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun. And he was a fantastic comedy writer. I'm sure you still are. You're just not practicing it day to day in the same way. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? You're probably shit at this point. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but we had a lot of fun. And it's been fun to watch him make this transition. Because even when I was still in the industry, you had already started. Yeah. Because he started this thing that I'm sure many people have heard of called Awkward Family Photos. And which I'm going to have you discuss more. But I remember even then it started already take off and we tried to develop our own version of the TV show, which mm-hmm. wasn't great. We had our own. <laughs> yes. I know you weren't happy with that um, scenario, but we were still working together and that. But at that point, now that you and I have a little more clarity how the universe works, you were clearly already on the path of moving in a very different direction. Yeah. And it was almost like the last holdout of, can I still have both legs in, you know, right. you know, can I live in both worlds? But talk about it, because it is amazing that, yeah. you know, from a guy who wrote, like, Not Another Teen Movie, it kind of makes sense that you would find humor in Awkward Family Photos, but where it took you, I think, will surprise people. So talk a little bit about Awkward Family Photos. Yeah. So, it, well, it happened at an interesting period of time too in my career because I was I was writing movies at that time and uh, I had gone home one weekend to see my parents and my mother was putting up this photo <laughs> of my dad and my brother and I it was his 50th birthday he made us do these rocket kicks with our skis it was one on top your of the mountain your dad made you do it yes also he's was, one of those he's one of those <laughs> and we were on top of the mountain and people getting off the lift and it was just Awkward, and I was—I think I was 13 or 14. So for me, to see it, it was a memory of being very like uncomfortable taking that photo, and so I couldn't understand why my mom was memorializing this. I'm like, why is that the photo you chose to frame and put up? And she was like, well, I think it's a cute photo, and I was like, no, it's it's awkward. So I left with that in my mind, and then I started to think about it, and I was like, it's a really interesting idea. What? what if we all have these photos in drawers and in boxes that we're sort of like, oh, that's the worst photo, but those are the, those, that's the gold. That's the stuff we should be memorializing. Now, again, this is all before Instagram, this is which way, I think is important way, to know. Way, way before Instagram. This is 2009. There's yeah. no BuzzFeed. There's Because um, now there are if, versions of kind of people take pleasure in like that's the first thing that comes out. But this right. is before that. There's, I don't even believe... I don't even think Huffington Post is around at this time. Yeah, I don't. Th- uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's very early days, um, and so we're so old, Mike. So, <laughs> so <laughs> there, there was, there was, uh, you know, some user submitted things out there, which gave us the idea of, you know, what if we could create something that's user submitted, um, and that was the jumping off point. Though, is what if you could memorialize these 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 moments, these uncomfortable moments, because that's really what family is, right? Family is is a mix of all of these things. It's not just the smiling photo that's no. over the fireplace. So, so if we po- anything, you could say family defines itself in those moments. I think so. I think those are the real family photos. I always have felt that way. And so uh, we posted it, and it just, it just took off. And I was working on a script at Disney at the time. Like it was the, it was the perfect polar opposite because I was working on a script... Uh, that was about uh, 
male cheerleaders <laughs> cheering for like a Chicago Bulls like team. But it was like a project that I didn't, I just didn't, I couldn't get inspired by it. And so then this thing happens. All of a sudden this website blows up and that world is completely new to me. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't even know how to set up a Facebook page at this time. <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, we talk about the universe bringing things into your world. I think I had been in sort of calling for something different to come around. And I just felt, man, this is too good not to explore. And then about a week later, we got a call from this guy who ran a site called LOL Cheeseburger. Um, I can has cheeseburger. This guy, Ben Ho. In that world, he was like... Huge. He was like the... The, the Elon Musk of, 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 of memes. And he, <laughs> um, and he uh, offered us right there. He's like, I'll buy the site. You guys, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. This is a website. It's a whole different world. And I was presented with this choice. We could walk away with a decent amount of money for doing two weeks of work. Or two weeks. Two That's weeks crazy. Of work, or I could continue kind of doing what I had been doing, which I, I, I knew wasn't the you know just wasn't the path I wanted to go on and so for me it was actually in the end a really easy choice of like I'm going to learn so much by going down here I'm going to learn a whole but a whole other world that's just you know just blossoming this that world was was so early on and um it was so you turned down the money I turned down the money I turned down the money knowing that yeah this whole thing could implode but wait, let's talk about that because I think that's such an important moment because, again, I feel like so many people define success by those moments of like, oh, right. so I got bought out right. or I can tell you I sold this or I now got this position. Yeah. And it's interesting when you take a moment and you say, well, I'm doing the riskier thing. I'm turning down the money. I'm going to stay on a thing. I don't actually know what I'm doing. I'll, I will learn, but there's no guarantees it goes, you know, up. Yep. And so talk, talk a little bit about what you were feeling, like why, what made you feel like you had to do that? I think you, I'm sure that you, you've had writers and people who share this sentiment to you, but when you're working on a project, and this has happened <laughs> to every writer, and you don't feel inspired, the first thought is I want to give the money back. Right. I want to just... I'll put it back in their account and we never have to. Right, because it's almost more torture to try and force exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think at this point I had, I, I knew that. I knew that I wasn't feeling that same sort of passion I was when I started. And again, this came along so fortuitously. It just happened. All of a sudden, one weekend I'm looking at my mom put up a photo and then we find someone who can put up the WordPress website. And then a few days later, you know, time.com is writing and saying, we want to put this on our website. And so it was, it just felt like there was this momentum. And if I don't go with the momentum, I'm going to regret that. Whereas if I go back to the Disney project, I know what's there. I know where that's going to go. I know where that's going to lead me. The, the unknown was so much more interesting at that time. Well, you put the unknown scares so many people. It does, but without going into the unknown... You'll Into never. The unknown. <laughs> you'll never. <laughs> Those of you who have kids know exactly what yes, that is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. You, you won't. You if you don't take those those leaps of faith, then you're never going to really. I don't think you'll 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 get to those really exciting places that everybody wants to get to. But there, you know, there's that fear um, at that time. I didn't have the fear. But I like, well, that's huge because I, I love that. It's you know everyone wants to get somewhere, but they're not willing 
to take the risk to get there. And then they wonder, why isn't it happening to me? Right. But it doesn't happen to you. You have to actually, like, take a little risk. And, and I like that you said you didn't have fear. Because for you, in your mind, when you waited out, what was, like, the worst that could happen? The fear was going back to what I was doing. Interesting. Right. Like, that was the scariest thing. The monotony was more fearful for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go back to something that, at that point, I know that this isn't giving me fulfillment. So so I don't know that this, this internet route is at the time. I don't know. But I just felt it's about family, which is a subject that I'm passionate about. And it's also, it was an opportunity to do something with comedy, but also with a lot of heart. Because the site was never intended to be about making fun of people or calling people out. And, um, you know, it, it was more about, it was about we. It was about we all have these things. We all have these photos. We all have these stories. So if we're all sharing it, it becomes almost cathartic to kind of put yourself out there. And this is where I think the internet is a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, where you can, you can share those things and then actually feel... Like, well, you think your family's awkward? Well, you see what my family did. <laughs> and there's actually some enjoyment in, that comes out of that for people. So that was part of the, pro, you know, that was part of the thinking from the very beginning is what's the tone of the site? What is the tone? I think that in looking at other websites, tone to me was the biggest question that we had to kind of tackle. And that once we figured that out, then it became more interesting. Did you feel like that was an area you couldn't, go into in your like old life like did you feel like there was a part of you that you're always kind of ignoring because it's a little bit of a sweet soft side yeah (laughs) yes I have I I definitely have a sentimental side I mean even after not another team movie came out the first thing that I set up at Sony was uh, a a movie about Halloween and kids trick-or-treating on Halloween so it was it was a nostalgic you know, for me, it was about the nostalgia of what Halloween means to kids and how you get to be something different for one night a year. And so, um, so yeah, I think I, I think I always had that side. Where are you from? Where am I from? <laughs> um, That's the hard question. <laughs> I am from New Jersey. Oh, right. That's right. I'm from New Jersey. So I grew up in a very, you know, suburban kind of... Where in New Jersey town. again? Because I'm from Jersey, too. I remember That's right. We, yeah. That's right. See, we're both remembering. We're um, like, oh, yeah. Morristown. Right. Very I- idealistic, right? Yeah, very- it's a nice... I mean, I, it was actually Florent Park, which is like... I don't know if you know Florent Park. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know. That's why I say Morristown. But it, it was... We rode our bikes to school. We trick-or-treated on our own. You know, I had the experience of having independence as a kid, and so uh, so it was it was it was a it was a nice childhood, and I think I think for that reason I'm sentimental about that. And so, but the nice thing about awkward family photos was we could there still was some edge to it because some of the photos that we get even to this day are really strange or weird or unsettling. Some are about divorce. Some are about, you know, a father who might be an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> there's like real darkness behind some of these images. But, but you know, at the end of the day, that's family is this big mix of good and bad and all kinds of stuff. So then how did that become kind of a launching point for you? Of Like now you write kids books. Yeah. And all of it has more of like this mindfulness bent and kind of right. this wanting to really teach and this idea of, and I use the word spirituality lightly, but this idea of just kind of looking at things from a different perspective. And how did that lead you into 
into that? Like, how did Awkward Family Photos? Well, the first thing was we did this, we did this touring, we did a museum exhibition for Awkward Family Photos. It was, a, it was, a, it was amazing. A, it was another leap of like, we don't know what the hell we're doing. I know you've done a lot of stuff from this that, like, a web, like, oh, things that. My wife will tell you, she's like, oh my God, you're doing another thing. <laughs> um, but at that, at that time, we love we love the idea of seeing these photos as art. You know, like there's something there is something. You know, there's one photo for me that's like the Mona Lisa of awkward. <laughs> um, but I thought, what if you what if you could actually have these all grouped together in a museum setting? Like, you know, people serious people walking through looking at these photos It'd be <laughs> kind of funny and weird. And and so we went to the museum convention in Seattle. There's a museum convention? Oh yeah, there is. And if, by the way, if you are looking to party, this is not the place to go, as you could probably imagine. But it was pretty cool because you I got to meet all these museum curators and most of them didn't take us seriously, but uh, a few were cool enough to kind of walk us through how you even put together an exhibition. And so we did. Um, and this is myself and my partner who's, who I went to high school with grew up in New Jersey with too. So, so. he's sentimental also. He's also sentimental. <laughs> we, we have the same kind of sense of humor. And uh, so we, we put together this exhibition, uh, 200 of the photos from the web, the kind of classic photos from the site. And we found this guy who had all these vintage frames. And he said, you know, come down to my warehouse. My mother will take you around, which is kind of perfect. Oh. And she took us and she matched each photo to a vintage frame. Anyway, long story short, we got a museum in Santa Monica that that was the first one to sort of say, all right, we'll try this. And it just it just took off. And it's been touring for six years now. Oh, my God. Through the country. It's gone into Canada. And in doing that... Wait, I'm, that's amazing. I'm, it was. It's the most gratifying, I think, of all the things we've kind of gotten ourselves into. Um, <laughs> just because you get to meet the families. So each museum, I would go travel, and the families that were local, that were in the exhibition, would come... Because obviously they're like, this is crazy, we're in a museum exhibition. And so I'd meet them and hear their stories. And when you hear the stories from the people about the photos, um, it becomes a whole different thing. You suddenly realize, oh, there's, there's real depth and these are real people. This isn't just a photo I'm laughing at online. And those stories just made me think about, uh, I don't know, it made me think about just how, how imperfection is is uh, is so much more interesting than you know than than those perfect perfect photos again we talked about like that photo over the mantle that everybody wants of their family smiling and matching outfits because that's what you want to project to the world we're just this happy perfect unit and in reality it's the photo where the brother and sister are fighting and mom and dad are <laughs> pissed off at each other so it it just it just i don't know i think they're, they're just, I realized there's so much more depth there. And so we decided that we want to do a children's book um, from that. We want to take the, the photos, because I saw kids go through too, and they were laughing at different photos than the adults were laughing at. That's interesting. So the idea was to do a children's book where we could use the photos, but also teach kids that, hey, like embrace your awkwardness. It's a good thing. Um, and, you know, perfect is, is boring. And so we had done a bunch of books at Random House. We had done, I think, five books at that time, and uh, they, they gave us the shot to do a children's book, and that's what introduced me to the whole children's book world. 
And then once and I did, you have kids yet at this point? I did. I had young kids. I think my son, for the first book, my son might have been three. Um, but I, I was, I was old enough, or he was old enough that I had been reading him books. And you start, I mean, you know, you start to read the children's books, and then you're, you know, you start reading some really beautiful books. I know. And you're like, wow, this is cool. I mean, you're you really have just the most amazing audience with the children's book. You have these kids that are so, they just are so interested in And they're learning. I mean, it's like they're they're sponges. And so they really, every book, at least for us, when we read, sparks some sort of conversation. Totally. Some are harder than others, like where do babies come from? And then like, and some are lighter. And it was really interesting when we were doing your books too. It was nice to have these bigger conversations about nothing or being awkward about the beauty of that being okay. Yeah. I think it's like giving kids permission, which I don't think we were all given that permission. No, you never talked about it. It wasn't yeah. even discussed. I mean, when, when I read the Everything is Awkward book to like a class, it's really funny because then the kids will all start offering up all the awkward things that have happened to them, but they're excited to, to talk tell about you. them. Right, right versus of being, being embarrassed. Exactly, exactly. And so that's, that's, that's really gratifying um, to have that experience. What is so true? Because you look back at so many things in like your childhood of moments you were just so embarrassed, whether it be something you did in that moment and you want to just tell that your kid version, like, oh my God, just laugh. Like laugh at yourself and nobody else will laugh at you. Like just laugh at yourself and you'll make it okay. We took it so seriously and it probably, (laughs) you know, probably for, for most of us, especially, I don't know, growing up in New Jersey, like I was around... It was just, there, I was always nervous to be called out for certain things. And yeah. so I, I think I think you kind of pushed all that down. And now now at least, you know, you can have the discussion of saying like, no, 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 that's, that's, that's great. Do you feel like awkward family photos at all, like the idea of that, of what you're saying, like the the beauty of the imperfection, like the truth that lies within the gray. Yeah. Do you feel like that has somehow affected how you operate day to day since you've kind of immersed yourself in the world? Well, definitely. Um, for me, I mean, I've had, I've, I've had to deal with imperfection. Uh, I mean, so many ways. I'm, I guess I, I think about like health stuff when I think about that and um, just dealing with things that have come up. You know, those are the most... <laughs> awkward sort of you know experiences you can have in life and and I think that's just shaped my attitude towards that and sort of again embracing that um embracing endings which became you know which was another which was a book that the next book that's coming out so I think that things that are happening in my life are directly related to some of those things I'm writing about especially the book about nothing <laughs> which um, I really did write sitting, putting my son to sleep, sitting in the dark, as parents often do when their kids fall asleep and you're just, or you're waiting for them to fall asleep. And that's when I would do a lot of, I think my best thinking was like in that dark space. And I thought, you know, just looking out into the black, I'm like, this idea of nothing, just doing nothing is so interesting in a world where we're constantly doing everything. And kids are so overstimulated. The idea of like, well, what about just doing absolutely nothing? Now there's value to that because nothing truly is something. Mm -hmm. And my son, 
I don't know how we got, I don't know how we got this, but it's like an old Winnie the Pooh movie that I don't even know if it went to theaters, but it's kind of like the greatest kids movie I've ever seen. <laughs> In the beginning, he's talking to Christopher, Rob, Christopher Robin about just doing nothing with him and how as friends, like what a great thing to just sit and do, do nothing. nothing. And I just love that. I love the idea, you know, especially for kids that, it is true. Some of the best moments when you look back to like high school or whatever, we're sitting around and doing yeah. nothing. But now they don't do that because they have their devices. So they sit around and do nothing together, but they're all doing something They're doing individually. It's like they're all like on their phones, which I'm like, it's so sad because some of the deepest parts of the friendships I felt like really coalesced while sitting in a girlfriend's room, whether it be two of us or right. three or four doing nothing like you're bored out of your mind it's yep. like we've done this every day this week yeah but it's like somehow you come up with something else random to talk about or do or laugh about you go deeper absolutely and that's that's kind of uh that's the beauty of boredom right is that it it sort of is a window into like you said then you're sort of forced to to come up with something and oftentimes you find a much more interesting path that way um but yeah, if you're sitting on your phone, you're actually doing quite a bit and your brain is so stimulated by that. But just staring off into the distance, sitting, you know, with your friends, like you said, outside in the grass, um, there's so much there's so much benefit to doing that, especially for a kid. And I see it with, I mean, I don't know if you've just sat with your kids in the grass in your front yard. Yeah, we've done a lot. That's like the best stuff. It is. I like looking at the clouds with her. Like that used to be my favorite, lying down. She would like lie with me and we would always, we're due for some of that actually. It's a good reminder. (laughs) But what I also like about nothing is, um, you know, especially in the world I come from, you start to realize, and some of us don't realize this till older, I feel like I'm just starting to get it, is that's like where the receiving comes in. Like when you can actually slow down, that's when like you start, to know what it is you really need or know what it is you really want or where you're going or maybe you just need to slow down to be a little healthier or whatever it is. It's like the nothing is receiving, but we're not taught that. We were, it was never part of like our vernacular. It was never part of, which is so sad because it is such an important part of just our balance and who we are. I mean, yeah. there's two sides and we were literally only exercising one, which is the like, go get it done. How like some of us are better at it than others, but the expectation is only that there was never any teachings on how to receive in a healthy way. Where again, like anything to an extreme isn't great. If you're only sitting on your ass all day and never doing anything, it's a problem too. But depending on who you are and where you are in your life, that might be exactly what you're supposed to be doing for a while. <laughs> exactly. So, I think we were taught you got to make the most of every minute of the day, get yeah. as much done. Um, the more effort you put into it, the more results you're going to get, which <laughs> yeah. is complete bullshit. Um, but yeah, I think it was like you got to just, and, and you know, the idea that you are taking advantage of that time by actually doing Nothing. zero with it. Um is for kids that kind of blows their mind when they're like, wait, that's a, you know, that's a healthy thing to do. And it's like, yeah, that's really healthy. Yeah. To just sit and do nothing. So you feel like, and I know, like you were saying, you've had health stuff. Like when I met you, you were, I feel like just kind of at the tail end of, or maybe you were in the middle of it. I was, I was, yeah, I was, I, yeah. Are you still in, in the, it? <laughs> been in the middle of it. Well, I, I have a different, I, I'm still, I guess physically you could say I'm still in it, but mentally in a completely different place. Well, talk about that. Cause that's really interesting. Um, 
yeah, I think I spent a lot of time, and when we first met, trying to figure out and diagnose and understand, you know, um, what's going on, and and being the good, you know, Jewish boy that I was, um, I was constantly analyzing everything that was going on in my body, and um, I, when you do that, it becomes it just becomes this self perpetuating thing. And at a certain point, um, I realized that this this search for diagnosis and all this is is almost as harmful as whatever is actually happening. Um, and so, we, ironically, within the last, I don't know, six months, I did, when I let go of the diagnosis, I actually figured out what was going on, which was I got bit by a tick in New Jersey when I was 11 years old. And wow. that... a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And that... They now know that the longer you it, go, well, it sits, and then when your body starts to break down as you get older, it becomes more opportune, opportunistic, and so, um, so all these things that have been going on over the years, all these weird things that nobody could really explain, suddenly became, it became very clear what was going on. How did you finally get the diagnosis? Because I saw and for those who don't make the connection, that's Lyme disease. Yes, yes. Um, I saw a doctor who just, he just had a hunch. He just was like, it's been too many years. You've been doing too many things. Um, he's like, I think there's just something underlying here. So it was, it was just somebody's instinct. But, I, I, but at that time, I, it's kind of like when you, you, you want the girl or the boy to call you back and you're just like, <laughs> you keep checking your messages. And then when you finally just say, oh, fuck it, I'm just going out, that's when they call. It's yeah. like, that's kind of what happened in a weird way with that. Um, but you, even with the diagnosis now, um, it, it, it hasn't really changed the way I feel, which is I'm not, I'm not obsessing on the, the, the Lyme part of it. I'm really just focused on... Um, really, 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 you know, living in the in in the moment, especially with with having kids and um, and doing a lot of visualizing and stuff um, about what the future holds, as opposed to you know staying in the past and obsessing on that. Hey guys, a quick word from our sponsor, Liquid IV. Um, they have been a savior for me because you guys probably all hear me talk about this on the podcast, that I am horrible at drinking water. I really am. And what you probably don't even realize, it's the winter months now, we get even more dehydrated because we don't even notice the symptoms. So when you're cold, it just makes it harder to spot. So thankfully, these guys came around because the beautiful thing is what I would have to drink for two to three bottles of water, now I just have to do one. And it tastes good. So they have three amazing flavors and you can pick one and you just put it and 16 ounces of water, and it tastes great. So for me, who just struggles with drinking water, this has actually made the experience so much more enjoyable. And not only that, it's providing five essential vitamins, more vitamin C, so in the winter with flu season, it has really helped keep me healthier. So now, here's the fun stuff. You get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and you use the code DENTOX at checkout. Now let's make that all caps, DENTOX, all caps. That's 25% off anything that you order from Liquid IV's website. That's liquidiv.com, promo code DENTOX. So don't wait. Go there now and start properly hydrating right this moment. 
when did that change for you? Because like a good Jewish boy, I'm sure you used to be very obsessive over the past. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my brain... That my, runs in the genetics my, as well. My brain still goes there. Well, I, fa- I, I was introduced to this really cool thing that I'm... I'm that I, I'm excited to talk about, but it's called DNRS. I don't know, have you heard about this? I actually haven't. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna like this. I'm into it. It's it's dynamic neural retraining. Oh, I feel like I have, but talk about it. Okay, it's uh, it's a really interesting concept, but it's one of these things that when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, makes that sense. makes complete sense. So the idea is that with any chronic illness, that what happens is there's trauma to the limbic system in the brain. And when the limbic limbic system gets traumatized, it it almost becomes more dominant in the brain because your body is in fight or flight. It's mm-hmm. trying to protect you, and so people that have chemical sensitivities or um, or just their bodies become hypersensitive to foods. Um, the idea is that it it's all coming from the limbic system. It's your brain that's creating those symptoms rather than the actual thing. thing. That's interesting. And so this huh. woman in Canada... That's super interesting. And I trust anything that's Canadian. Um, <laughs> is that true? It's a rule of thumb. <laughs> um, but she... Um, He's still funny, guys. She, uh, no, she's <laughs> like, you hear her speak and you're like, okay, I believe you. She's, she it's was... So nice, too. She was a therapist and ended up working in a building full of mold and um, it created all kinds of problems for her. So much so that she had to like live in a tent because she couldn't deal with anything in the house, all the the paints and everything. Um, And she ended up developing this program. And it's not even like, again, it's not, it's not magical what she created, but she just created an organization to it all to help the brain and the limbic system sort of get, get out of those ruts because what happens is your brain just gets caught in these ruts and when that happens it just keeps going around and around and we've all experienced the loops yeah everybody has experienced the loops but and this is like a physical it's a loop that's affecting your physicality absolutely and so when people start addressing it what they find is all the symptoms go away and I spoke to a guy who had Lyme and was paralyzed on one side of his face Ugh. and had Crazy, I mean, way more extreme than anything I've experienced. But um, he is 100% recovered, um, and he credits, you know, 95% of that to this program. What's the um, other 5%? <laughs> I think he was so extreme, he probably needed some, he probably needed some treatment. Right. You know, supplementation, detoxif- you know, detoxification, things like that. But a lot of people now... Uh, are just doing the program because what they find is those symptoms are really what aggravates them. Um, whether it's the anxiety that comes with it, and I've had a, that's what I've had to deal a lot with is anxiety. And so, I, I just it makes all the sense in the world to me knowing that and hearing that. And I've I've had this weird instinct that a lot of it is coming from the brain. So are you going to start the program? I started it. How long so is I'm, it? I'm 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 about a month into it. Um, and I will tell you, I'm very skeptical because this has been 13 years for me of trying, trying things. And, but this is the most, so exhausting, (laughs) so exhausting. Uh, this is the most optimistic and and hopeful I've ever been about anything. Does that make you nervous? No, no, uh, no. In this case, it doesn't. I just, when, when you find something, there's certain times when I just know, oh, this is something. Whether it's just like 
it's come into how it came into your world, how it came into your view. This one came, again, without effort. I always find like when you're efforting on those things to, to find something, it's usually the wrong answer. And this, again, just sort of came to me in a really fortuitous way. Um, and then all of a sudden, all these people around me are kind of like, oh, yeah, that, that I know someone that did this. And so I've just had all this, um, I don't know, just all this energy pointing me in this direction. And I just kind of, I've, I really feel it's the right way to go for me. Because I've tried so many types of detox and supplement, and my, my body just hates that stuff. It just always... In what way? Like you... It just reacts in, in a very intense way. It just, I end up getting more Sick. symptoms. or more, Yeah, I get, I get sicker. Huh, interesting. So I think that in some ways the, the third, the, the book that's coming out, which is the end is just the beginning, is really like very that. much about that, which is like not fearing ends, you know, the ends of things in life. Um, I've had a lot of that fear just in in always becoming ill no when you I, got I think sick. when you get sick you fear the end of a lot of things i can't uh, at first it was i can't drink anymore i can't eat this food anymore i can't you know and that that's scary and you were young you were like very young yeah, you were in your tw- 31 when i really had when it right was and you were sick. single and you're like it just i remember i feel yeah. like that's when we became friends where it felt like your world got smaller Right. Absolutely. It got much smaller and there's certain people that actually can't hang out with you anymore because you're not drinking and they're like, they don't know what to, they don't know how to. Yeah. What do you, so looking back, like it's, it's very interesting when you make changes and sometimes you yourself take yourself out of certain situations, but it is interesting when you see other people who can't handle your changes. Do you feel like you ran into that a lot? Uh, I did. I ran into it quite a bit, especially with drinking. And it's, I think what it is is that people, it makes them, it's uncomfortable because it makes them think about themselves. Now, do you feel like your personality changed when you weren't drinking? Well, it, it, has, it does change because you no longer have that avenue or that crutch to use when you're having the anxiety, for example, right? For a lot of people, you're feeling anxious about something, you go out and you, and you drink or you have a few drinks. Um, in my case, I didn't have that. I couldn't go that route anymore, so I had to deal with it head on. And so, whenever so you I have just to, started smoking a lot of pot, so exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, I probably did try that at that time because you're 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 desperate in those times, and you don't. And I wasn't in a place where I really could deal with it and understand it fully. But um, but I, I I think look, it's taken what did I say, 11, 12 years for me really to wrap my head around all this and to be comfortable with the idea that when something ends, oh, that's actually a really good thing because now if you're open to it, kind of like what we talked about, I don't know, 20 minutes ago when we were talking <laughs> about the, the website, you know, that the, that the um, awkward family photos happening, well, it's going to lead me in some other direction that could be so much more fulfilling than you know again I know what the drinking felt like I did that for enough years that I know what that felt like this is a, you know this is going to be a much more interesting path it's going to force me to go inside and and understand myself so much better anxiety especially with kids who you see dealing with anxiety for the first time um, or anxious about a situation I just feel like it's given me a completely different perspective and empathy 
for for others and people going through similar you know similar things do you it's interesting do you because I feel like I've had this conversation recently with people who are not in the beginning not in the end they're in that middle Mm. and I people really freak out in that place and I get it it's very uncomfortable and I, I was saying the same thing which I'm like when you can let go of the fear of not knowing what's happening next and look at how awesome those time periods are because we go through a lot of them. People don't realize sometimes they're micro versions, sometimes they're macro. Yeah, yeah. But we all go through them a lot. Yeah. And when you start to understand kind of the wave of life and that it's, you're going to get a lot of them, those periods are actually super exciting because it is like what you just said. It is that moment of... I don't necessarily know what's happening next, but like the possibility is kind of endless. And if I release myself into it, it's only going to be better for me. If you don't force it, if like I can actually wait and see what this next phase is truly supposed to be, then it's awesome. And it's like, I feel like I talk to a lot of students about this, of just coaching them almost through that time period of like being able to kind of do nothing. And I mean, it's really like bringing in everything you've talked about into this one moment of like, (laughs) it's true though. It's like the ability that the nothingness in those moments are the gift Right. And it's like, yes, that ended. And you don't quite know what the new thing is yet. But like, that's what's so beautiful. Because that new thing usually is always better for you. It's a period of growth. Yeah. If you look at it that way, you're going to grow. Anytime you go into something where there's fear, if you go into it and decide, okay, I'm going to just engage with it. I'm going to have a seat at the table for the anxiety or the fear and not try to close the door. You're going to grow from that. So... That's the way I look at it. And I, th- I think the middle stage that you were talking about, really the reason it's so scary for people is because they are fearing that the end is coming to something. And, it could, and when I say the end, I think you know, the first thing your brain jumps to is like death. Death, yeah. Right? Death is rebirth. <laughs> but, um, but I don't look, the ends could be, it, it, it could be all kinds of things. Kids fear ends mm-hmm. in their life. It's the end of the day. I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to leave my play date. Um, it's the same thing. You're, you're, you're just fearing that whatever this thing that you've never had, have it again. you'll never have it again. And, um, and that's anyway, that's, and you don't ever have it exactly like that again. And you, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Because you might have a completely new experience that you never even imagined was possible. When you talk about anxiety, were you always anxious? Like as a kid too, or did the anxiety really come on when you started not feeling great. Well, I don't, I don't, it's hard to know. You know, when I like go back chronologically and when I know I had the tick bite and I remember my mom pulling it off of me, shortly after that. Wait, that's interesting. So you actually remember. Oh, yeah, bitten. yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then even with all this kind of Lyme stuff that I feel like has recently come in, you yeah. never made the connection. That's how... It works. <laughs> stupid I was for many, that many years. No, and it's not I, no, stupid. I, it's just interesting. It, no, it didn't make, it just, I, well, because I saw the stories about Lyme and people paralyzed in their beds. And You're I like, was that's like, not me. I'm not feeling that. Um, I didn't understand anything about co-infections. And there are these other things that come with the tick-borne stuff. But um, no, yeah, even though I had the tick bite and, and I remember it, you know, distinctly, it just, that, that storyline didn't make sense to me. And do you remember getting, because usually you get sick right after, right? And, but you can think that's just a flu. I mean, you don't necessarily think it's... Well, that's what, they're, that's, what, that's what I think that a lot of people are realizing now is that there is a percentage of people that do get very sick when they get bit. 
there is also a other there's an another potentially larger percentage nothing where the body at that time the immune system handles it but then over time it wears down it wears down and that's why a lot of people present with these chronic symptoms and it gets misdiagnosed because you think well that was 20 years ago but that stuff's in you it's just sitting there like like a virus it's just waiting for sort of a time to again become opportunistic so yeah, it's 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 a it's a crazy world once you get in there and you start realizing how pervasive it is. Um, but I, I really am. This is the first time actually since I started this program in a month that I've even mentioned the word um, because part of what they talk about, which I, I do also really agree with, is stop defining talking about it. It's something we all do when we're sick, right? You talk about it to everybody totally you come agree. into contact with. And it is interesting when you stop talking about it, you actually stop triggering those... The, the neural pathways. The neural pathways, yeah. It's, it's funny. We talk about this a lot in class too, where I, it's like we say like attracts like. So it's like all energy. And it's, you know, we kind of say people make this mistake of, you know, you can only download so many thoughts. So right. it's like your energy attracts what thoughts are going to come in. So right. if you're thinking and talking a lot about something, and not, obviously for you it's this it being ill, but like for some people it could be that breakup or I was abused as a child. And again, not to diminish things that are horrible, yeah. but it becomes this like patterning that you're creating your own patterning and you don't realize how much you have to do with it. So then it becomes a joke of like, not that therapy is bad, therapy is great for a lot of people, but it's like you're having issues with your marriage, you're having issues in relationships, and then all you do is go to continue to talk about them. <laughs> yeah. And again, some people need the clearance to move it, but energetically, if you think about it, you're just increasing those thoughts and the capacity and keeping that neural pathway even stronger and deeper. Yeah. And it's just a fa it's such a fascinating thing that people don't realize how much control they actually have over their brain that then affects the physicality. hundred percent. I think that the quote that stayed with me is the neurons that fire together, wire together. It's true. So if you are associating one thing with another thing, and, and, and certainly fear wires together real quickly because <laughs> fear is a very strong energy and emotion, yeah. that immediately becomes a loop. And so, yeah, I think you're much better off in those moments um, rather than talking about it talking about something completely different and unrelated that brings you joy or that makes you feel, you know, gratitude or whatever that emotion that just makes you smile. Um, it, it feels counterintuitive because you kind of want to talk about the thing. Right. But um, I've noticed now, like a friend's asked me, how you feeling? Um, I just, it's, you just, I just say I'm doing right. better and better. And, and like, they're relieved not to have to talk about it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas in the past, I thought, oh, they really want to get into this. But nobody wants to get into it. They just, they want to, they want to. They be wanna, there for you. Yeah, they want to be there for you. But they're relieved when you're relieved. And then suddenly you start to almost believe your own, you know, you start to feel, you start to feel that. You start to feel, I am kind of getting better and better. And that is what I've noticed in the past month is I've done nothing physically. I've taken nothing different than, differently than I was prior to that. I'm doing that on purpose to really see. see. Um, but I feel much lighter, much more clarity. Um, and I just, I, and I notice just in the way that I interact with my wife and my kids, it's, it's just a different energy that's going on. 
Isn't that so amazing? It really is amazing. Like the quality of our thoughts just affect everything and just the content of them too. Most people won't believe that. I feel like if you tell them that. I'm like a big proponent of it because I just say it all the time. It's just, again, it's the, if you think about it from, you have so many thoughts in your subconscious. So how did the certain ones get pulled into here and now? Well, it's going to attract to the energy that's pulling them in. It's like your, I would say it's like your satellite dish. So figure out what channel you want to tune it to. And that's what you're going to call in. And look, we're all human. So that doesn't mean you don't think about certain things sometimes, but as you get stronger and better at it, the percentage just starts to shift and then you start to shift and you feel it. I th- I, yeah. I think one of the things that threw me off, cause my wife was a big fan of Esther Hicks and, mm-hmm. you know, Abraham, and, yeah. and Abraham. And, and so I read a lot of that. I looked at the videos and like, when you talk about energy for people to a lot of people, I think they, they get a little bit intimidated by energy. Well, the thing is very woo woo. It's mm-hmm. very woo woo. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's Albert Einstein. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it is absolutely not woo woo. But I think when you first hear it and the skeptical mind says, I'm not going to engage with this. And so for me, when I understood the science behind at least the thought part of it and understanding, oh, it's, yeah, like I'm feeling fight or flight. I know what that feels like. And so if the limbic system is in this loop, well, that is part of what's creating that energy for you. So it, it really is part of the picture. And it's very hard to say to somebody, just Think go home and change your thoughts. <laughs> I know. Because there's, 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 it's, there's, there's, well, it's a, a, it's there's a, a habit. very deep rut there. Yeah. And you need help. People need help or they need a system to, to help them get through that. And there are so many, I mean, you're doing one of them. There's like tapping. I feel like there's so many versions now that there's help. Always, there's always multiple paths. With that specific paths. idea of yes. like, break the loop, break that patterning. Um, and look, like you said, the deeper you're in the rut, the harder it is to shift. It just takes longer and more work. This is six months. You know, this is a six From month, it's a six month commitment to do it for six months, an hour a day. And it's not unlike meditation. The more you, the more repetition, the more practice, the, the, the more your brain, your body energetically starts to absorb that. So, um, you know, having done meditation for years while I was going through all this, I think that didn't scare me so much, the idea of like an hour a day. I'm like, that's... I can do that. That's nothing compared to... Also, an hour to invest in yourself to like exactly, feel better. Exactly, exactly. Again, it goes back into the pause, into the doing nothing. It's like funny that the word nothing has such a negative connotation to it, but it's like so much happens in it. Yeah, like somebody feeling like I'm nothing... You're right. It, it it does have a negative connotation. Well, because, you know, I talk about it with, like, a lot of times with the girls I talk about it, but it's the idea of, like, well, you know, I don't want to be lazy. Like, lazy is what comes out. <laughs> and my response now, because I had to process this for myself, and right. what I learned for myself was I'm inherently the furthest thing from lazy. That's just my, my resting state is not a resting state. It is a go. It is a doer. I accomplish things. I get more things done in a shorter amount of time than most people do. And I know that. So when I am feeling, quote unquote, lazy or indulging in that, which still in my core, I have to like change my thought pattern yeah, too about yeah. it being laziness. I'm always like, 
but I'm not a lazy person. So if I'm actually being quote unquote lazy, I probably need it right now and should probably indulge in it. Versus I said like, yes, there are people who are inherently lazy and then maybe indulging their laziness is not necessarily the best thing. Like they have the opposite thing. They need to learn how to like stimulate themselves and get excited. We're all on different journeys and paths, but I've always, I've been trying to help people I know who are similar to me to be like, if you're not naturally lazy, then you taking time isn't being lazy. It's taking time. Yeah, and even if you look at those lazy people. And by the way, and I know, it's like, I'm just saying for the conditioning of the people of, who think that of way. Of course, of course. And, and, and it's not easy. Like, I mean, you created all of this, right? So obviously you're not, you're, you're someone that has a lot of ideas and things <laughs> and, wants to, and wants to like move fast on things. So it's, it's, like you said, it's almost more important to take those pauses and those breaks. And I'm sure that was a challenge. Yeah, I've first. had to definitely learn how to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm still learning. I'm getting better, uh, me, I think. Believe me, me too. <laughs> it's amazing how many how how you can know things intellectually but then practice you, them. You forget them just in your day-to-day life. But it is interesting, but part of it goes against the conditioning and the definition of the word and how our word patterns in our loop. So it's like, yeah. it just, when you think something is lazy, then you feel guilty while you're doing it. When you learn how to embrace that stuff, then you don't feel guilty and you can see the beauty in it and the positives, and then you can actually receive Absolutely. all of it. Absolutely. You feel as good as, I would actually say you feel better than like yeah. when you're sitting in front of the computer getting all of this stuff done That's for four nothing. hours, <laughs> then you get, you, you step away and you feel like you've been hit by a truck. Yep. I would say, yeah, you're just as productive doing that nothing. Do you miss the entertainment business at all? Not at all. Did you think, <laughs> was there moments that you thought you would or that you did or no? It was just a seamless. Maybe like pathetic to say, but maybe on an ego, on an ego level, maybe. Because this, what I'm doing now is like, it's so much more under the radar in terms of like being on, working on a website. It's just the website is the focus and you don't, you don't go, you know, there's no, there's just publishers in that world. You just pick up the phone or you email each other. There's no meetings and assistance and all this stuff. So maybe on some level I got some satisfaction out of that when I was doing the movie writing and screenwriting, but it's minuscule compared to. Are you happier Oh, without question. Without question. Like, so much happier. So much happier. I've had uh, 10 years to really, like, shape my own days and decide, you know, I had the freedom to say I'm going to take my kids and go skiing today um, and not have to feel, you know, beholden to anybody. So, like, that freedom is more valuable than any script sale or dollar amount that I could have possibly gotten. What does it feel like to write a children's book and then read it to your kids? Um, it's a great feeling. The, the, the greatest feeling, though, because sometimes you read it to your kids. And they're like, Meh. And they've been hearing you develop it <laughs> for the past year. Because children's book, a lot of people don't realize, from the time you come up with the idea and you you pitch it to the publisher. It's like two and a half years from the time that it actually. Wow. And that, and, and it could be a little shorter, but generally that's, that's, that's about the, the time period because they have to find an illustrator and it usually publishes a year out from the time you finish the, you know, you finish the whole thing. Um, it's a very, very long 
So interesting. Road. So your kids are a lot older by the time. Right. They so it might not be the, the material book. for them anymore. Exa- like not hitting their sweet spot. Exactly. So, but when <laughs> what a you, disappointment as a dad. I, You're like, look what I have. I They're know. like, ugh. Because <laughs> you wrote it with them in mind, especially if you have kids. You really did. And, uh, but they're, they're, you know, like the book about nothing, I got to read it too because I had a daughter, I had a, a second child. So she was in the age group when that came out. And to read it to them in the setting of a classroom where they are like, that's my dad and he's reading and it. And they're so proud. That, and you see that, that's like, um, that, 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 that can make you cry. Oh, like, no, I know. Pretty, it's like making me cry. It's not even my kid or my book. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really special. And then also just to see how the other kids react to it like doing a reading for a class is is that like your favorite part of it that's hands down it's like when you're writing do you actually think about that uh yeah a little bit because you do think about like what do i want the kids to like you said what's the discussion i want to come from this so you want to make sure that that's those nuggets are there that you can have those discussions but and i look i think you're i was so excited to talk to you because i do love this journey, because yes, you made a career shift, which I think is important for people to hear, but it's also this beautiful shift of just being more okay with you and like who you are, which I think is what most people are running away from constantly. And so I think, and it shows now in like what you care about and what you're producing and what you're creating for kids and trying to teach them. It sounds like the things that you've been learning for yourself through the shift and through kind of, you know, I don't want to talk about like Lyme because I know we're not supposed to anymore. I don't but, know what that is. Right. But I do, you know, and I appreciate you breaking it for today because I do think so many people can learn from everything you just said about it today. Yeah, so yeah, thank you yeah. for that. No, no, no. Um, but it's, it is really beautiful. And I do think having someone who's come from a similar world and anyone out there who's listening that feels like they're in a world that defines them a little bit or it's a world that, you know, I think the thing about entertainment is it's such a well-known world. Like you can go anywhere in the world and say what you do and people are fascinated by it. Yeah. And so I think for people that's, it's weird. It's like, there's so many other jobs that people are like, Oh, interesting. What does that mean? What do you do? Where is that? How does it work? Like you say anything in entertainment, people are like, really? They probably know the show you've worked on or yeah. the people you've worked with. And well, they, oh, that's the second question is, well, what, what do I know that you've worked, worked on? on and who? When you say you work on a website, uh, they ask you if it's uh, a porn website. That's usually the question you get <laughs> when you're generic. When you just generally say you work on a website, it's really funny. People, people they assume immediately, it's porn. yeah, they assume that you're doing porn. That's weird. Just it because is, you're not it, being specific, it is weird. And I've had like my parents' friends. I had someone say that to me uh, at like a you know some dinner they were having with like some other seven year olds. They were like, like, no, it's actually the opposite. Yeah, it's just hilarious. So not porn. So it's what I love about what you were saying, though, is it didn't seem like you had those kind of identity issues coming out. I didn't either, really, to be honest. I didn't have the identity, like my identity is tied to this, so therefore I don't know who I am now. But it's like a a word to people out there, because I know I get a lot of emails from you guys, which I love, or DMs, and most of the times it's people like, I'm in a weird transition, I don't know what to do. And I think this is such a beautiful reminder of like just pause, you know, do nothing for a little bit. It's okay. Obviously you have to make a buck, so do what you need to do, but be okay with like, be okay with seeing what unravels and know that your identity has nothing to do with what you did before. It's, it's the same from the before, the middle and later, and it just gets more beautiful. Absolutely. And also 
the, another like description I've sort of learned uh, in the last six months that I love is curious observer. Ooh. Don't analyze things, but be a curious observer. And um, when you do that, it's a very small little subtle distinction. But, um, you know, as an observer, you can observe, well, how did, how did this transition come into my life? Why is it, why is it coming into my life? Um, and, and if you can see that, that might, that might help you and give you comfort too. Cause again, things, w- when you call them into your universe or world, it's generally pretty effortless and that's a sign, you know, that, okay. Lean in where it's easy. Exactly. That I should, I should engage with this. But I, that's huge too. Cause I do feel like a lot of people spend so much time to roll the boulder up the hill. You know, I think that's what they spend the majority of the time doing. Yeah. But again, that's what we're, that's what we're taught. It's counterintuitive to think that no, it's the don't effort on it at all. Right. You want, you want this to happen. Okay, great. Stop thinking about, you know, stop thinking about, you know, all the things you have to do. Right. Cause then once you get in the flow, they start to happen. Not that you don't have to work. I mean, I don't know. You're like part of the reason I wanted to talk to you, by the way, Uh-oh. was flipping it. Flipping <laughs> it is because of the fact that you created this. And I thought this is so interesting because I had met you in the context of working in that world. And then you went to NBC and I was like, well, does it surprise you though? I was impressed. It doesn't surprise me because I remember even us having some discussion about digestion <laughs> before, before a pitch meeting, and um, I could tell you were... You, were, you know what? You Almost were, every writer who um, knows <laughs> I've done this, every writer's like, it makes so much sense. The things you talked to me about before, like, you got me to say things that I never would have yeah, said. Yeah, it wasn't a typical kind of executive vibe. So I, I, I definitely was not surprised, but I was impressed. Oh, well, thank and, you. Um, and so I just thought, oh, th- this, is, this would be a really interesting discussion to have with someone who had a similar, you know, similar path. Well, that's how I felt. Also impressed because I know the talons that are sometimes in that world are really hard for people to take themselves out of, and usually it's identity related, like we were just talking about, and um, and it's always so fascinating to see uh, the growth people have when they leave, and I don't just mean like job wise, I mean like just personally, it's like when they're able to take a breather and actually start becoming the observer, like you said, because yeah. you're actually that's what you can do oh my God, the layers start just peeling off and it's really beautiful to watch. And I've watched now a few people do it in different ways. And again, it's not about what career they do next or what they choose, though that's always fascinating too. It's always been like, oh my God, they're just a much deeper human. Now it doesn't mean that they weren't deep before, but they're just looking there. They're looking there and they're actually paying attention. Right, 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 right. Which I love. Yeah, And and, and you know, I think even having had that experience, like there are, there are things that within, you know, doing awkward family photos where those worlds intersect again, but they intersect in a way where I can really enjoy them. Yeah. I can enjoy those moments as opposed to feeling uh, trapped or imprisoned by it. And I love, it's interesting that you're still writing. It's just in a very different context. Absolutely. I, 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 I mean, I have to still be writing that, that you're much a I, I want to do, but to write for, I think once you have kids too, that shifts a lot of stuff, but to write for kids is just, it's just, to me, it's the, you're writing to the most engaged audience ever. Well, and you can have a a more lasting effect in some ways. Not that other stuff doesn't have some huge 
impact, no, but, a but book, this is like a book. Don't we all still remember be, so many yes, of the books you we remember? Read and, I'm sure you remember. Oh, I remember so many, and it's funny. And some I read now. I'm like, oh, that's slightly inappropriate the way it's written. <laughs> However, the what the nugget was that they were trying to convey was there, and yeah, I remember so many of my favorites. And until yeah, and, and I like you to see read. it with your own kids though, where they. Say, oh, read this one again to me. Like, there's certain ones that they just don't. They go back to. They want to keep reading it again and again and again. Yes, even though that's maddening for the reader. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Like, but yes, like, some, like sometimes I do a great job. I got the voices. I've got the attitude. And then other times, like. Just skimming it. Oh, my God. I'll literally be like, bedtime. Yeah, like it's my, I watched my wife. She would skip I, She would skip pages. And I'd be like, you can't, you can't well, skip the story. But she, she would just be like. Nope. I've only done that. I'm guilty, but only like once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only when she was being like really bad at bedtime and it was already so late and I'm like falling asleep. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It and sounds... it was only when she was much younger. I don't think I could get away with it now. She would, like now she's she'd four. Call, she'd call oh, you. Oh, she would see it. She'd know it. If, especially if we read it before, she recognized it. And there's so many times I've accidentally skipped a page. She's like, no, no, you skipped a page. I'm like, no, I didn't. And sure enough, I'm like, oh, you're always right. She's always right. It's, an, it's well, infuriating. Because she's, she's super plugged in. She, yes, she's, she's present. She's super present. Yes, but have you ever been in like a bookstore and you're reading to your own child from a book, and suddenly you look up, and there's just like children around you. That's actually never because weirdly, I've never been to a bookstore with her. I realize because we always I order all my books. Oh, that's that's you. You know nothing. Did I just admit something bad? It's like no, but it's like going to the movies. You know, it's like there is something you can't. I should take her. She would love re- it. Reproduce even the one in Larchmont. Just going. Oh yeah, I little, like that bookstore. Cavalier. They're, they're really Cavalier. F- nice for kids. But when you go, when you go and read a book, it's just hilarious because other kids just they sort start of, coming. They hear reading and they're like, "There's picture books." And well, it's also because you're really engaged. Cute. Like that used to happen to me when we would go. Uh, like to resorts and I would like actively play like imagination games with her and it would be hilarious because these like older kids would kind of be coming in they'd be so curious like what is she showing her nothing like nothing's really in my hand we're pretending and they would come and they would look and then they'd come again and then I would like take whatever's fake in my hand I'm like well do you want to smell it and they're like no because they're older but then by the (laughs) third time they come they're like all right. So then, and it was funny. And by the end, my mom watched this whole thing. She was like, you just had like four kids playing this game. I'm like, well, yeah. And they were very reluctant in the beginning. And finally they're like, well, maybe there is something like, maybe it's right. not play. Cause right. she was really young. So she was into it. They were right. slightly at the cusp where they're like, what's this crazy lady doing? That's funny. But it was funny. And I loved how by the end I was like ordering them all around to do like whatever it was yeah, I was playing. They're just like, they just know that there's something, you know, there's something interesting going on and I want to be a part of it. But and to pic- be part of that is amazing. Picture books especially, even my, my son is reading now and he's reading like the graphic novels, which is That's cool. another world that intrigues me now. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, th- there's, th- there's, there's something about a picture book that is timeless to me, like I a agree. good picture book. Well, you remember, the, you remember it vividly, how it looks. Yes. Too. Well, the, yeah, the art. Like the com- combination, like you won't forget it. Like when I read some of my childhood books to her, it's hilarious because I'm like, this is exact, like I remember all of this to the T. It's not like I forgot any of it. It's crazy. Yeah. Let's do your for you. So four quick questions with four quick answers. Okay. So what's either the most or one that comes top of mind inspiring book for you? Well, um, I, I feel like I have to go with a children's book. Um, but God, it's going to be so cliche. Uh, but I just read this to my daughter the other day and she totally connected with it, which was the giving tree. Oh my God. Um, it's a hard, you know, like 
especially when you're when you're looking at books and thinking about illustrators and all these things that happen once you're sort in the world of trying to put together a children's book and then you look at that book and the simplicity of it of the drawings and of the words and but yet it's so beautiful and there's so much emotion there um, and there's something about that cover I I, I would that turn green those pages. cover though catches your eye and you're like what is that um, I turn those pages a lot when I was a kid. Like, that was a one that I would sit by myself and, like... Which is interesting, though, yeah. isn't it? Because... Because it's so sad. <laughs> well, it's sad, actually. Yeah, as an adult, you read it and you're like, this, this is, is heartbreaking. depressing. But the the drawings, you would think a kid would be more drawn, especially with all of the Pixar and animation, to something much more detailed. But it, it still holds their attention. Yeah, it's beautiful. I haven't done that one yet with Levy. I have to do it. I think how old is how she's old is four? She? Okay, so yeah, it's 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 a tough. It can be. It's, it's but she'll still get be into it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. It's kind of interesting to read those books to them when they're even younger than you think, because you you you're almost surprised that oh my god they still they're grasping something. And yeah, like, it's really interesting. But yeah, that 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 I would have to say is is one that I just. Uh, that that one will be, stick with me for the rest of my I life. I get it. What's your current obsession? Current obsession is DNSR. Um, hands down, I think I think it's like I said, it just opened up an entire world to me. I'm thinking about the brain and neuroplasticity, and like I can geek out on that all day long. And I think it's just the brain is endlessly fascinating. What's the first thing you do in the morning? The first thing I do in the morning is, um, well, um, I wake up usually with some nice looping thoughts, <laughs> uh, as we all do, and um, but I I really try and um, redirect my thoughts, especially in the morning, right when I wake up, to some the things that are give me a lot of pleasure or positivity or uh, appreciation. That that's. That's something I'm teaching. Instead of waking up with fear, um, fear of the day, fear of everything that's going to happen, um, I, I really try to direct that in a much more positive way. That's nice. What's your go-to food or drink? Well, that's, that's a very interesting question because food is the thing that I've been most denied over the last 11 years. Anyone who goes through anything health-wise, when it gets when it gets chronic or intense, you start losing foods. You right. can't eat this anymore. <laughs> this is doing this thing to me. Um, so I actually food is food is a big one. But your question was, what was the like your go-to my food go-to, or drink? Well, it can, does it have to be something that I actually eat or something I would eat? You answer it either way. I'm I'm obsessed with pizza, uh, pizza right now. I just that's the thing that when I think about what it is I'm going to be eating a lot of in the next couple months, <laughs> it's going to be just a lot of pizza and probably chocolate. Because you haven't been able to have those for a long time. Those are things that have been tougher tougher to have for sure. Um, the things I eat right now are things that I know are good for me and healthy <laughs> and so it's hard to actually answer that question like oatmeal <laughs> you sound like an old man <laughs> um, so yeah i think about oatmeal and bananas <laughs> ice cream is another one like when i go have ice cream with my kids you're gonna be excited I, I just the thought of having a lot of ice cream sounds really good has it been when you had kids i mean you were already 
going through so much of this illness before you had kids. Do you think that really helped you start shifting kind of your thought? Like, because now it wasn't just about you. Did it really change the way you looked at it? It changed the way I was a father. Like I said, it, it, I mean, nothing will put you in the moment if you let it like being unwell or out of balance, however you want to describe that experience. Um, it, it really, it really does force you to be very mindful. And so I think, I think it, it, it's entirely the reason that I started to become more mindful as a parent and more mindful of what my kids were feeling and what they were expressing to me and, and not just, I feel like I probably said things to my parents <laughs> that where there was real, weight to what I was trying to express to them and they were just like all right well you're you're fine <laughs> um and um and not that not that I over again over analyze things with my own kids but I'm just very mindful of those times I have with them and those discussions I have with them and when they're trying to express themselves which is such a beautiful thing seeing a kid trying to express themselves that's true um to like really be aware and present for that yeah I've loved talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. We're going to do your personal practice in a second, but okay. it's so fun to like catch up and I, you have so many amazing things to share. So I appreciate you oh, well, sharing Thank it. you. Thank you so much for, for having me. This was, um, I will tell you that a month ago I was unsure. Uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to this thing. Like I'm going to be able to think straight through this. Um, it's kind of where my head was wow. at. So, um, so bravo. this was like the thing in my calendar that I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna be in a good place by then. So I love that. So look at this. I'm here and, and hopefully what I've said is coherent. And I was going to say you're very coherent. So okay, by the way, so you're doing really well. It good. keeps working. Keep doing the, keep <laughs> doing the program. Um, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. Now Mike is going to do his personal practice, which is a T.S. Eliot quote. Yeah, so this is a, this is a quote that, um, that has a lot of meaning for me, um, and it's a reminder uh, that as we go through and experience things in life and things end and begin uh, to really embrace, embrace those endings. It's, again, it feels kind of counterintuitive to do that. We were sort of taught to mourn endings. But um, but I think I think endings are can be really beautiful, and so this quote from T. S. Eliot is: "What we call the beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from." Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people: Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.